Um, we're in a, a series um, called Our Mission. And what we're really doing is, is uh, with, with, with asking God, well, what is it actually you want us to do? Okay, we gather and we worship and we, uh, and yeah, we study scripture and that's all part of it. But there's, mission is this concept of what we achieve, what our purpose is for his kingdom. And we've distilled our mission down at Hills Church to four easy to remember parts. Glorify God. Last week we talked about embracing people, plant seeds, and make disciples. So today we're going to be on the green one. Number three, planting seeds. And, and actually, I've split this one into two bits, okay, because there's, I realized how long my message was today, and I remember last week it went quite long, and I thought, you know what, there's two weeks in this, but it's a bit tricky, okay? Because my original plan is plant seeds, week of prayer and fasting, we're going to preach on that, and then make disciples. So this week we're planting seeds. Next week we're going to talk about why, why we pray and fast as a church. And, and I don't usually tell you in advance what we're doing because I'm always worried someone will go, I'm not coming to that one. But I want you to be here next week to hear that message, okay? I'm not going to make you do anything uncomfortable, don't worry. Just be here. And then the following week, we're going back to plant seeds. Does everyone follow that? Is it clear as mud? Okay, that's good. I'm glad to hear. There was a, a world-changing moment in history. When a small group of Christians, they gathered, and they waited, and they prayed, and they waited on the Lord because he told them to. They were just ordinary folk, like you and me, and the Holy Spirit came. And he swept through the room where they were praying. And the scripture says, like a wind. Can you picture that? Like a wind. Can you hear it? Swept through the room. And the Holy Spirit manifested, came in such a powerful way. They were trying to describe what it looked like. Tongues of fire was the closest they could come up with. And immediately following the arrival of the Holy Spirit, the disciples' lives were dramatically changed. They were empowered in this new way, these ordinary people. And they had the power to do the work of God and to, and to spread the gospel. And Peter, who was one of those 12 apostles, and we preached a whole series in Peter, in First Peter, and so we love that guy now, right? He was one of the 12 and he, and he too was filled with the Holy Spirit and he just wanted to get out there. He was just bursting with um, the desire to tell people about Jesus and about his death and resurrection and what it meant for all those who would believe, who would follow him. And so on that same day, I guess we could say that, that the Christian church was born. And, and this is the way that it's described in, in Acts. Those who believed what Peter said were baptised and added to the church that day. You know, believed and baptized same day. That's pretty cool. 3,000 in all. So not just a church, but you'd have to say a pretty big church if there was 3,000 in one day. Probably spread out. They probably met in lots of small, small group type locations. You can see what God was doing, can't you? You know, this was the, the very beginning of the church. 
He needed large numbers quickly for it to be an ongoing force and then for it to replicate and replicate and replicate and to let people know about the life-changing message of Jesus across the world. It had to be big at, at all at once to fulfill the Great Commission. And because of that, that movement of the Holy Spirit in that, in that little room 2,000 years ago, we're all here today having received that same message that's been passed down through those churches and through the Scripture for 2,000 years. It's really good to be part of a movement, in my opinion, that's uh, not just held on but thrived. You know, probably hundreds of millions of people, perhaps we could even say over 2,000 years, years, billions of people have said yes to the message that started there on that day. And today, I just want you to know, church, that nothing's changed. The same commission that Jesus left his disciples with is for us today. And so here it is. This is what Jesus said just before he left, before he ascended. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. You're all really familiar with this, aren't you? Let's read it again. Take note. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this. I am always with you all the way to the end of this age. Thank goodness. It's the mission of the church and, and actually it's the mission of all followers of Christ. Yes, yes, there's lots of other things as part of our mission and we've been talking about them as well for each of us individually. But today, I want us to think about this. We are commissioned to go, to spread the word. All nations includes Brisbane. And so Hills Church has been commissioned to, follow, to fulfill that commissioning in, in, in Brisbane, along with all of the other churches that surround us. Now, what would it look like what would it look like if 3,000 people were added to the kingdom in one day at Hills Church? I don't know. Can you picture that? Like, we felt we, we, we were kind of bursting at the seams on our Christmas Eve service with, or Christmas carol service with 450 people. That was pretty good. But what if 3,000 people not just came to a Christmas carol service but said yes, and then somehow we had to baptise 3,000 people, like just do the maths on that. How many per minute do we have to baptize through that baptismal? I guess we would have to use more than one. Now, I know what you're thinking. Yeah, but that won't happen. You know, that's, maybe that's revival talk. This 3,000 at once kind of thing. And if you're like me, you've heard talk of revival for decades. It's just around the corner. Revival's coming. And yet the numbers of people encountering Jesus through our church ministries, and it does happen, and it's exciting when that happens, but sometimes it's, it's, it, it doesn't meet our hopes and our expectations and our dreams. Well, let me just tell you, the patterns of revival have, have been like that through history. But here's what we need to understand right now. Revival may be tomorrow or just around the corner, but people are still encountering Jesus every day. 
the urgency still remains. We don't stop just because we think we have to, because revival's going to break out in three weeks' time or three years' time or whatever it is. We don't stop now because people are still encountering Jesus every day. The Great Commission actually never gets paused. It doesn't go on hold during these ups and downs in, in history and through the seasons. I told you three weeks ago that there's 48,000 people just in our postcode alone. And according to McCrindle's research, you know, 9% of Australians are regular attenders of church. It might be a tick higher in our particular area, let's say 10%. That leaves a lot of people in our area that, that still don't have that hope. If, if we really believe what the Bible says, then we are literally surrounded by those tens of thousands of people living with no eternal destiny, no eternity. And, and Jesus himself says that the only way to eternity with him is him. The only way to heaven is Jesus. And so there's tens of thousands of people facing a prospect of an eternity without God or whatever that looks like. I know there's different theology on that, but you get the point. So it may not look like revival at the moment, but the harvest is still here. Seekers are all around us, actually. God is interested in all people being saved into his kingdom. I read that in the scriptures. All people. He wants all people to be saved. And so should we. So do we believe that, church? So our mission actually has a sense of urgency about it. And today I want to talk to you about a practical way about how we can all go and how we fulfill our mission to spread the good news of Jesus. It's this idea of planting seeds of the gospel. And the truth is that I think we make this task harder or scarier than it needs to be. I think the whole idea of, if I can use, if I could pick a word, I guess we think of evangelism, that whole idea does somehow make us shrink back a little bit. There are gifted evangelists, by the way, around us and within each church that is a spiritual gift. You know, the ones that kind of make you a little bit sick because they sit next to someone in, in the plane and, and they share the gospel and they become Christians, right? And, you know, I just want to put headphones on and, go to, and try and go to sleep. But they're, they're converting people. There's, there's this real gift of evangelism. But, but. We all still have a commission from Jesus to go. So you don't have to... Hmm, not a, look, if you want to sit on a plane and share, please, you should do that. I don't want to give you the impression today that I'm saying, oh, good, I don't, I'm excused from that. Someone else is going to do it. That's not what I'm saying today. I'm making the point, though, that those people are gifted like that, and you don't have to be them, but you still have a role, and God will help you with it to share the good news. It's our role, at the very least, to plant the seeds into the hearts of those around us, the seeds of the gospel. And I use this terminology, uh, that side, plant seeds, because Jesus tended to use these words as well. That was his terminology. He loved to use uh, illustrations, and often they were around agriculture. I guess it spoke very well to that culture at the time, but it still works for us today. I was thinking back, back through some of the parables and illustrations that Jesus 
would use, you know, there's sheep and goats and vineyards and uh, fishing and commerce. You know, there's the fig tree. Uh, there's wine and wineskins. We love that one, don't we? If you like wine, you do, I guess. Um, but here's what, here's what Jesus said. All right. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds. As he scattered them across his field, some seeds fell on a footpath and the birds came and ate them. After seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock, the seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plants soon wilted under the hot sun. And since they didn't have deep roots, they died. There's more to this. Other seeds fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil and they produced a crop that was 30, 60 and even 100 times as much as been planted. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Let's keep going. Now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. I feel like we missed something. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately received it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems and are persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell amongst the thorns represents those who hear God's word but all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth, so no fruit is produced. Does that mean we're back on board? You know this parable, right? Did I miss some verses in that? I think I did. I got them all. Okay, good. Thank you. <laughs> distracted. So let's not be distracted now. Let's come back to this parable. Everyone's familiar with it, right? Can you identify with some of those different soils? And, and, and perhaps you've got friends and, and things have, they've received Jesus, but the problems of the world came and they fell away. Or there was an initial flurry, an excitement which we all love, but the soil's only just shallow and it doesn't last. Does anyone, everyone know what, what he's talking about, what Jesus is talking about? All of us are missionaries. And in a way, all missionaries are crop farmers. I guess the obvious thing about crop farming is that, there is that there is no good crop without a good planting. The more we plant, the larger the crop. The same goes for how we plant. And depending on the soil, some will take root in a for a variety of reasons. Tragically, others don't, as we've just read. Every single one of you is here today because... Every, an initial seed was planted in you. That's what happened to me. I shared this with you a few weeks ago. Family camp, kids program. But there was also seeds planted all leading up to that by my parents, by those around me, my church family. All of those seeds accomplished a little tiny shoot that grew. Every single one of you here today has had that experience in some way or is still having that experience. I actually think that this parable is freeing for me because the primary responsibility I have is just the planning. This is the thing we always have to remember. Jesus saves. 
It's not our job to scare people into the kingdom. It's not our job to harass or pressure. It's not our job to argue or manipulate. It's to plant seeds. If you are a gifted evangelist, you probably take it steps further. And all of us have the ability to to do that. But I'm telling you, every single person here today can and should, if you're a follower of Jesus, plant seeds. It's all achievable. There's many ways to do it, both as individuals and the church. And and as I said, we're going to split this into into two. So today I want us just to look at what are we going to do corporately as a church Next week, we talk about prayer and fasting. The following week, I'm going to talk to you, each of us, about what we can do individually about planting seeds. So let's have a look at it. What are we going to do as a church? Number one. Forget number two for now. Number one, prepare the soil. This is really important. Any good farmer knows good soil conditions are essential for all those seeds that he's invested into when he plants them. And I'm telling you right now, last week's message is how we prepare the soil, embracing and loving people. It's essential to how we plant. We love people no matter where they're at on their spiritual journey. We love them no matter what's going on in their lives right now. Embracing can be undermined, or planting seeds can be undermined by when we judge and condemn people. Writing someone off or looking down on them because we don't like something about them or something that they do or something that they represent. When we write people off or judge or condemn, we undermine the seed planting. When we fail to embrace people, even when there's that thing that either disappoints us or confronts us, when we don't do the embracing, we're making a mess of the seed planting. When we don't embrace just for who they are as people, what did Kerry say? In God's image, made in God's image, when we fail to do that, we may actually be sucking the moisture out of the soil. And moisture is essential for a seed to germinate. We may even go further and compact the soil when we don't know how to love people very well. We may even pre-plant weeds. Us. Instead of planting the seed of the gospel, is it possible we could plant weeds that are going to grow and strangle and drown out the gospel? Could, could we even go as far as, even though we're Christians and followers of Jesus and our job is to plant seeds, could we go as far as poisoning the soil? You know, we're pretty good at putting the roundup down, but we're not good at preparing and adding moisture to the soil. Who wants to be responsible for that? Every single person that we have in our lives or that we come in contact with, we have a chance to prepare or 
damage the soil before we even plant the seed. That includes in your family, in your marriage, in your workplace. I'll get to that more in two weeks' time. When we as a church don't care or have empathy for people, even when we see people who are clearly not aligned with the ways of Jesus, we're damaging the soil. It's very hard for those seeds to germinate and grow. The people Jesus was most upset with in the Gospels were the religious people. They were very good at judging and condemning people. It frustrated Jesus. It's like, you guys are getting in the way of my message of love for people. That's what they want to hear, what they need to hear first. You're in there just sucking out all the moisture. It made him upset. It's very difficult to plant seeds if you can't embrace people, really embrace them. If you're not good with the empathy and the care, just sucking up the moisture. Can't plant the seed. Why would I listen to someone who doesn't genuinely care about me if I put myself in other people's shoes? And the truth is, I, I don't. I, I don't listen to people who don't genuinely care about me. Isn't it the same for you? So quiet in here today. I, I, I'm just going to repeat what I said last week. There's a vital message of repentance to be given to all people. Don't miss this, okay? I'm not denying that. I'm all for it. Repentance, confession, obedience, transformation. I preach that every week nearly. 100% in on that holiness. Those things are freeing and life-giving that. And that is really where the message of the gospel is getting us to. I'm not talking about watering any of that stuff down or sidelining it. I'm talking about what on earth is my actual motivation if I couldn't care less about people the same way that Jesus did. And we know he did this with people. You think about the woman caught in adultery. His first thing was, I've got to protect her from the people sucking out the moisture before I even get to putting this, planting the seed. The gospel gets distorted if I can't love the person I'm telling it to. And you can't fake it, by the way. People know. They know if I really love them. You know, love, or as the world says, tolerate. People know if I'm tolerating them. I want them to know I love them. I'm not perfect at it. I've let people down. I've probably sucked moisture out of the soil myself. In fact, I know I have. And today, I'm challenging myself and all of us here. You're, you're saying, Nathan, this is last week's message. Why are we doing this again? I think we just got to keep talking about it and thinking about it and letting the Holy Spirit convict us of it and, and change, transformed. <laughs> I know, and because the world says, you be you. You know, you be you. Don't let anyone tell you. Hmm. I want to be like Jesus. So we embrace people as a church. Our slogan is a place to belong. You know, it's scary putting that slogan up because we actually have to do it. 
we actually have to do it. And we haven't been perfect at it, and I haven't been perfect at it, and perhaps, you know, not everyone's experienced coming to Hills Church has experienced that in the way that, I w- that we would hope that they would. Like, let's just be honest with ourselves. It's okay. I just think over time I, that we want to take ownership of it more and more and more and be better at it more and more and more together, helping people belong. It's hard work when you enter a church that's everyone's close, they've been here a long time, and all of a sudden um, I've got to get to know all of these strangers. You know, we, we've got to actually do our part to help people belong because this is one of the purposes of the church. Jesus wanted us to belong to him and to each other. So I'm I'm just saying challenge ourselves about it. Take responsibility for what can I do to help people belong at Hills Church. Even those who are still on that journey who haven't committed to Jesus, that doesn't matter. How can I help them belong? And again, if that's a struggle, you just go back to last week's message. It's online and you'll hear more about how we embrace people or how we should be. All right. Point number two, planting the seed, meeting the needs of our neighbourhood. Remember, this week I'm talking about us as a church, the things that we're doing collectively together. There's no denying that most Australians, by and large, see the church as irrelevant. I know that's hard to hear because you're like, that's not my experience. I'm just telling you what the research says. Most Australians... This is according to McCrindle again, Mark McCrindle. He did a survey of non-church-going Australians. They didn't mean it to be offensive to us. They just simply said, because it's not relevant to me. I don't need the church. I don't need the Bible. That's the answer of most people in our neighborhood. Well, for us, we want to find ways to be relevant to our neighbors. And one of the best ways we can do it is to actually meet people's needs as we embrace them, out of love and concern. We meet people's needs. Not only should we, should we be showing love through acts of compassion and assistance and justice, which is the heart of God, but I believe it also opens the doors to planting seeds. It's not about a bait and switch, by the way. It's not about we're going to do all these really nice things for you just so you can hear the gospel, but I do want that because we know that's good for them. That's a loving thing to do. We do it simply because we love people, whether they respond to the message about Jesus or not, because everyone is valued by God, and ultimately we believe that the biggest need in our community, though, is actually that relationship with Jesus. So, of course, we're going to offer that as part of what we do. But Jesus said in Matthew 25, you know, you've got to to care for um, those in prison and those who are hungry and those who are thirsty and those who are naked. And that's a good way of saying, what are the needs in our neighborhood that we as a church can address because everyone is valued? Again, McCrindle did some research around Australia and said, well, you know, what do you think the needs are? What can, what can churches actually do to meet the needs? And the good thing is a lot of those things that were expressed by regular uh, Australians, non-church-going Australians, we actually are in that space in, in a lot of ways and in other ways still... Some, there's some work to be done. For example, one of the needs that was identified was we actually some professional support and counselling because things go wrong. 
in our families. I think Hills Church does that really, really well with our family support service. Over 21 years now, every single week, you know, dozens of people and families coming through our church office, most of them non-church going people. We're just loving people in that way and giving them um, the gift of our support in that way. That same group of, of ladies, those counsellors, are also running workshops. They're helping uh, parents with some parenting classes and workshops. They've, been, they've run some workshops for teenagers who are struggling with anger issues. You know, these are the sorts of things that they're doing. This is a great way for us as a church to embrace people, meet needs, and plant seeds. We run the marriage course. It's not just for the marriages in the church. We've had people starting to come from outside of the church as well to do the marriage course, including non-married people. You know, in, in de facto relationships. I love it. Coming to the church to get help and support hopefully being embraced just for who they are and hopefully planting seeds. I like it. Does anyone else like it? The cafe and upshop do this really well. There's people probably sitting here today. I'm scanning around, but I know of people who have met Jesus because we planted seeds in that upshop. They were volunteers or they came in or whatever it was. Some of them were linked into other ministries. It's been amazing. Same with playgroup. Planting seeds, embracing people. Our wider ministry, ministries with the youth and the young adults and the kids and the ladies and the men's ministries, etc. Uh, you know, ESL, I love it. Helping people in our community who um, just need that help with, with English and other cultural struggles to help them find their way better in our neighbourhood. What a great way to embrace people and plant some seeds as well about God's love as we go about it. Same thing, people sitting here today because of that. Shared Happens has just started. I, I get that that name is slightly unfortunate. Someone said to me the other day, um, be careful how you say it. But that, it's a really good ministry to men, not just the, the, the men in the church, but there's a, there's a wider vision, isn't there, Gordon, for others? Uh, the first Monday night of the month, second Monday night of the month. <laughs> I know what's going on in the church. Second Monday night of the month on the deck, barbecue, bring some friends, bring some mates. You know, our annual events like Easter and Christmas, planting seeds. Mark mentioned side door groups, the riding groups, the craft group, um, Bluegrass group, by the way, they can be planting seeds as well while they're jamming on the mandolin and the banjo. <laughs> People love that music. I won't say anything else. Um, yeah. The special interest groups that we do the, when we run Alpha, you know, we that's a big seed planning outreach that we do. Term two this year, everybody. Start praying about who you can invite. Term two for Alpha. Robin's got a, a dream for garden therapy for those who have come from countries where um, you know, they're war-torn or they've, you know, they've experienced things that we can barely imagine. 
and apparently this has been very successful in other areas around Australia where it helps people with healing. I would love to be a church that does that. So that's on the agenda. Rebecca's got a, a vision for Kids Club on a Friday afternoon. Um, hopefully that's starting up this year as well. And that'll be a great time for our, our kids to invite their friends. If you ever wondered why we do these things, one of the reasons, one, is that we want to plant seeds. We're meeting needs, we're being relevant, we're embracing people, and we plant seeds as we go. There's ways you can plant seeds. You know, you can just scatter it like this. The birds tend to get it. Or you can prepare the soil and you can plant it deliberately and make sure there's enough moisture and you can watch it grow. I just want to share a a little vision which I believe God gave me about eight years ago. I was just beginning this journey. Pastor Lex is here this morning, by the way. Make sure you say hello to him and Felicia. Good to have you guys with us, our new national superintendent. Um, But I was just beginning this journey. Um, Pastor Lex had moved to New South Wales to be the DS there. I was with a lot of fear and trepidation um, starting off this pastoral journey. And I was in uh, Indiana... I just dropped Rachel off at her first YWAM experience, uh, DTS, and I went and spent two weeks with a particular pastor in his church who I'd gotten to know, and I thought they could just feed into me for two weeks and I could learn some, th- some new things. And it was really good. I really enjoyed my time there. And the thing is, he went away to Hawaii on the second day I arrived. <laughs> and so, but his staff were amazing, and I still learned a lot, but I had, I had the, uh, his house to myself. That's pretty generous, isn't it, when I... A pastor just gives you his house for, for two weeks. Anyway, on the last Sunday there, they invited me to preach in, in um, they had a Saturday night service, two Sunday services, and then a downtown campus. That was a new experience for me, doing all those sermons. Finished that, and I, and I was back at the house by myself, praying and praying and praying for you, for this church family, and, you know, really the question was, God, but what are we doing? What are we supposed to be doing? What's the purpose that we've got? Anyway, that day warmed up to about oh, minus four degrees. So <laughs> I figured, yeah, I don't know why people live there, but I figured that's warm enough to go for a walk. And, he, and it's semi-rural. So I walked out down the road, not knowing what to expect. I'm praying, I'm looking around. And as I looked around, th- this is what I saw. On one side of the road, was freshly planted crops. And on the other side was harvested crops. And, you know, I'm like, okay, are you following me? I'm praying, God, what are we supposed to do? What are we supposed to do? What's the church supposed to do, God? And he's showing me this picture of newly planted crops sprouting on one side and on the other side harvested crops. I mean, I'm pretty slow and a bit thick, but it dawned on me, and I hope it's dawning on you now too at the end of this message, that there's a job for us to do. And the vision was clear. The harvest is great, but the workers are few, so pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. I felt like God was saying, that's us. These are the words of Jesus when he saw all the lost people and had compassion on them 
So can we see a harvest ahead of us? Can we see it? We have to start planting. It's not up to just me. Can I say that? It's us. It's all of us here. Now, in two weeks' time, we're going to come back to this and consider how, pastor, can I do this? I'm an introvert. People intimidate me. Most of us are introverts. (laughs) People intimidate me. It's not my gift. I actually think God wants to help you more than you realize. We're going to talk about that in two weeks' time. So you've got to be here for that as well. Because the thing is, God actually does the heavy lifting. Today, though, I want us to come back to that collective responsibility we have as a church. The things that we do together, our ministries, I want to pray for all of them today. So I'm going to ask you to stand with me. If you're here today and you're one of those uh, ministry leaders, I especially want to pray for you today. Maybe you're watching at home online. I know the weather was, was fantastic, so you may have decided to stay home this morning. But I want to really pray for you. And I want us to do it collectively as a church. That we'd be, uh, our ministries would be effective in this space of planting seeds. Because you know where it's heading. We're trying to make disciples. That's what the Great Commission said. Making disciples. Let's pray. So Lord, I'm I'm reading your words, Jesus. I can't ignore them. You said to your disciples, we have to go into the world and make disciples. Teach them to obey you and baptize them. And that you would be with us as we did this. That's the important thing. He also said that there's farmers, there's seed farmers, there's crop farmers out there. And that's us planting those seeds of the gospel. And so, Lord, for this church, for our family support service, for our op shop and our cafe and our men's ministries and our play groups and ESL classes and youth, kids, women's ministries, and all the ones that aren't coming to mind right now, Lord, we, we, we bring them to you as not just things that we do as a church. They're not just expected because we're a church. They have a purpose. They have a meaning. And one of those purposes, Lord, is that they would plant seeds of your good news that you want all people to hear and receive. And I want to pray for 2024, Lord. I pray. Please, um, send us to the seekers and the seekers to us. I pray, Lord, we can get to the end of this year and see how people have received and responded. I ask, God, that those ministries will be empowered by you this year. Help us, Lord, to stay focused, to understand your heart for people. And I pray, God, that everything we do prepares the soil well. And then that we take the next step and plant the seed. So God, we call on you. Fill us with all the gifts that we need. 
Pour out your gifts on your church, I pray. Pour out your gifts, Lord. Holy Spirit, come. Be with each of these ministries this year. But may there be a harvest of souls for the kingdom, people encountering you and your love for the first time this year. Maybe, just maybe, it looks just a little bit like revival. We'll take it, God, but we want to be obedient and follow your ways. God, we want to see more and more lives transformed for you around here. I pray for every church around us the same thing. I think of the Church of Christ down the road and the Baptist churches around us and the um, ACC churches, Lord, and the C3 churches and all the other threes and Cs, like all those churches, Lord, around us. I pray, Father, that your power and your spirit will be upon them this year and that there would be thousands of people. If there's 42-something thousand people in our one postcode who don't know you, God, help us to break through. Put a big dent into it at least, God. Like happened in the early church when your word went around the world. God, we pray for even the missionaries that we support that are outside of our neighbourhood, doing their thing, Lord. Empower them, bless them. May the good news of the gospel, the transforming, life-saving gospel reach more people. That is one of our jobs. Lord, we don't want to sweep it under the carpet and just hope someone takes care of it. We hear your word today. Amen. Amen.